All right, so this episode was recorded prior to Thanksgiving, but my work um, sent me overseas um, for six months. So I had a short delay because I had to get ready for my trip, take care of my family. Even though this was all recorded, ready to go, I had to edit a little bit of it, um, but this is the newest episode episode 41. Um, I hope you enjoy it. And I'll be reaching out to some folks this week to start recording more episodes. Even though I'm overseas, I have the equipment and the capabilities to do that. So hopefully we will get that done. Thanks for listening as always. All right, welcome back. This is episode 41 of the Breaking Wax podcast. And this week I have, you go by AG or Adriana? Uh, I go by AG. AG, everyone calls you AG, even the mm-hmm. family? No, they don't. They they actually call me uh, Aw. That's my, my family nickname. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's been a little while. I've been trying to get you on. Um, I'm glad the schedule is finally like mad happen um i guess what's new or what's going on yeah thanks for having me on it has been a while we've been chatting for a minute so i'm glad to to finally be here um what is going on with me so i i was the head of brand marketing at alt if you are familiar with that platform Yep. I was the head of brand marketing for about a year and a half and i just recently left the company um, I resigned. I felt like I put in some good time, built the team up, built the first marketing strategies and decided I just wanted to try something new. Nice. So here I am, um, just living my life. Uh, Doing and, the important things like we, th- we talked about briefly before, right? Yeah. Spending a lot of time with family. I'm here in Santa Barbara right now in my mom's office, actually. So hanging out with my parents and, uh, and my brothers and, That's awesome. uh, yeah, living life. That's a, uh, I was going to build out a podcast room and I still might, I'm actually in my wife's office right now. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm supposed to get deployed next week to the Philippines for six months, but, uh, oh. but we're, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. So, but I am supposed to leave next week, but I got a couple things I got to get through first, but if I don't, then I'll build out a full podcast studio cause it's time. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. Life comes at you fast sometimes, you know. It really, I was not expecting that. Yeah. So AG, so how did that come about? Just easier for people to go with AG or? Uh, Good question. So I worked at Nike for about 13 years and one of my bosses early on, he was a British guy. He had a really hard time with, with my name. Um, you know, it is long. It is different if you're not used to it, Adriana. And, uh, so he was just like, nope, I'm going to shorten it to first letter of your name, last letter of your last name, Adriana Guerrero, AG. And so I just became that at Nike for about 10 years and, uh, just adopted it throughout my life. And here we are. But no one at home calls you that. That's no, (laughs) no, no. Everybody else in the world does, yeah. It's it's not the same thing, but I have a, a good friend of mine who um, went to school to be a Catholic priest. I'm not Catholic, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't understand. I'm Christian, but I don't understand all the rules with the Catholic Church. And uh, mm-hmm. so everyone calls him Father Pagano, and I I still to this day call him Richie. And uh, I went to service oh. one day to to support my friend, and after the service, I was like, Richie, that was amazing. And some old lady with a purse hit me and was like, it's Father Pagano to you. And I was like, holy smokes. Holy moly. (laughs) I was like, maybe to you it is, but to me it isn't. Like, how am I supposed to know? But it was crazy because Mm -hmm. uh, his whole family calls him Father Pagano now. Except for his mom still calls him Richie, and that's it. Just me just me and his mom. That's the only two people that call him Richie. Oh, my gosh. That's cool. It's like like rappers and their government names. Right, right. Not a not a lot of people were there from the very beginning. So, do, um, yeah, I wonder. So, like, I know I saw a photo of you and Nas, right? So, I wonder if his family calls him Nas, or do they call him by his 
full name. Well, yeah, his full name is Mazir, so right. pretty close, anyways. They probably just call him Miles then. Yeah. yeah so yeah, what? Yeah. At um, when were you at Nike? Because you were, were you with the soccer department the whole time doing marketing? No, soccer was just at the very beginning. Okay. Uh, the majority of my my career I spent in what we call energy marketing and collaborations. So energy marketing means the the team and the people who provide the most pinnacle executions, the most pinnacle marketing strategies to drive as much short and intense bursts of heat and energy for the company. Okay. So these are very, very um, like hype BC kind right, of projects. Right. Uh, very, very exclusive and limited run uh, apparel and footwear. It usually sells out really quick, but the goal isn't, to make money it's just to get people talking right. about the brand to go viral right like, exactly yep mm -hmm. kind of like when um all the sb dunks were just insane similar to that yep yep or even more specific would be working on the ben and jerry's dunk okay yeah and to see how much fervor and energy we could just create with this one specific story it's crazy because you always hear um, people always speculate that that's what Nike Nike is doing with all these limited and short mm. releases. It just makes sense, right? And then to hear you say it, it's like complete validation. But it's yeah, you always. I mean, you just always wonder because they always say like we're trying to get the product to the people. But then I'm like, you are, but then you don't make enough for the people, and it is what it is. Yeah. Yes. So. Nike makes enough inline product. So, so take this, this uh, Ben and Jerry's dunk. Okay. Maybe there were a thousand pairs made globally. We, as Nike, we would never say the size run and right. the number of units made never, ever, ever. But we, once those do sell out, we will push people to the regular inline dunk that kind of looks similar. And there are, you know, probably hundreds of thousands of pairs of those. Right. That makes sense. So yeah, that's so that way... a, a trickle down effect. Right. So it's like the mom and dad going like, sorry, I couldn't get you the Ben and Jerry's, but these are very similar. Would you want to get these instead? Exactly. That's how it works. That's awesome. So yeah. was, was working at Nike awesome? I mean, I imagine <laughs> it was stressful, but like, as a as a sneakerhead, which I know a lot of uh, card collectors, they don't like the sneakerheads for some reason. But as a as a sneakerhead, and I still am, <sighs> you just always imagine working at Nike is like this awesome experience. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. first I didn't know that card collectors weren't really fond of sneakerheads until I thing. until I really got into the into the hobby, and then I was like, wait, what? What? But no, no, we're cool. We're cool. We're we're similar. Um, working at Nike was awesome. Yeah. Especially working on campus in Beaverton. I mean, every day it just felt like for a sports fanatic, it felt like Disneyland. Right. Because everything was at your fingertips. Everything revolved around, um, sports and, um, the essence of athletes and just, teamwork, good vibes. Um, so just this, this aura of working on campus was pretty freaking cool. Yep. You would always see athletes walking by, like when you were going to the, one of the cafeterias or if you were going to work out, you know, in the, um, in one of our couple sports centers that we have, you would always see athletes, um, photo shoots would be happening. Right. So it, it was a, it was a, it was a pretty cool Cool experience, yeah. So, but working there, is there like a, like in the military, there's always a clear line of like what you need to do to promote or advance <laughs> at a big company like that. Is there a clear line of what you needed to do to like take yes. the next step? Okay. We can't forget that Nike is still corporate America. Right. And it is very much corporate America, even though the company was founded on, um, you know, the spirit, the spirit of the athlete we can't forget it's still a public company with lots and lots of shareholders and investors. And so um, the bottom line is, is the most important thing at the end. Right. 
Right. Um, no matter how much like cool like Nike Kool Aid you drink, that's still right. That's still what it is. Yeah, I I think, but I've I've also heard through under other industries that Nike is they're they're like really like into the sustainability thing, um, trying to make mm -hmm. it like trying to make a better dent in the environment, I guess, instead of yeah. such a. Um, so like there's a shipping company that I, I know a couple executives that do business with Nike and they were like, listen, if you guys don't do okay. these certain things and we're not going to trade like ship with you guys anymore, which I yeah. thought was interesting for them to flex that on another billion dollar company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and the consumers too, right. they're, they're getting smart and they don't want, um, like an example is they don't want shoes double boxed. A lot of people said that was a waste. That was that was bad for the environment to use so much cardboard, to pay so much for shipping all the time. And so Nike invented a more sustainable shipping system right. for shoe boxes. Like that's cool. So like one of the we call them maxims at Nike. One of them was to um, gosh, what was it? Basically, listen to the customer. That's the most important thing is to always serve their needs to bring them value because if you don't do that what are you doing right right mm -hmm. so are you um still are you like a straight up just nike head or do you love all sneakers <laughs> you know uh, i grew up playing soccer and i grew up in adidas so I, I also love rap and hip hop and, and Adidas was a main staple in, you know, these right. early days of, of rap and hip hop in New York. And so like, I respect Adidas. Uh, I have a lot of friends there. I love the, just the classic silhouettes, but as far as um, collecting and sneakers, I mean, everything that I have in storage is, uh, is Nike. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm, I like everything. I just, I love everything about hip hop, sneakers, basketball. So I grew up, I played basketball. Um, okay. But I find that I get older, like my collection has dwindled. So I'm like a, a big Damn. Air Jordan ones and then Air Maxes. I still love Air Maxes. Um, same, same. Air Max, Air Max one's my favorite. Um, anytime they release the OG red pair, I'm, I'm all in on at least two pairs. Me too. Me too. You have to have them. You have to. And then, and it's, and it's weird how there's been a shift because, like, last week the silver 97s released, I and there wasn't that, and there wasn't that much hype, which I was okay with because I love that shoe. So, mm -mm. It just made it easy for me to get. I think it's because the the kids don't really understand 97s yet. No, no, and that's and you know it was really disappointing. Was I think two years ago they released the neon 95s, mm. but it was in such a small run, it wasn't even online anywhere in the U.S. Mm. Dang. So do you miss as a sneakerhead, do you miss the um the hunt of sneakers? Yes and no. I'm a little older now. So like I, I and everything's getting pushed so hard online. Like even yeah. the in-store releases now at Foot Locker and Champs is online um, mm -hmm. through the oh, raffle process. Yeah. yeah, through the raffle process. So it's like I think it's nice that you can walk in and get retro Jordans at champs if you really want them now, because they've released so many. It's almost, and this is, I talked about this last week with Ryan. It's like, uh, it's almost like the card community is doing the same thing right now. There's so much stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just going to get easier and easier to get stuff. And the prices are going to have to come back down to like pre COVID. I mean, yeah. and that's, and that's why like when the air max ones come out, I don't buy five pairs, I only buy one or two because I know they're going to come out again. Mm -hmm. um, so there's really mm -hmm. no point in stocking up, especially in a retro but yeah 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 i feel that and yeah a lot of these correlations can can be can go straight over to sports cards right now because they are certainly adopting a lot of what we did in the sneaker industry right right yeah i don't um so are you big card collector as well or is it more of like um just in, like small investments and stuff yeah so in in i grew up in indiana playing basketball and soccer and uh, my team, all of us, of course, we were huge basketball fanatics being, you know, Hoosiers. Right. Um, but we all did collect cards also. Like I got to rip packs. My parents gave them to me for, for doing my homework or getting an A or, right. you know, practicing the piano. And so I grew up a little bit of a collector, of course, like little junk waxy era, 
But right. um, it was cool to to collect my favorite players back then. It was it was Reggie Miller and, um, I mean, the Davis brothers, right. Rick Smiths. Yep. <sighs> yeah, the Dunking Dutchman. Yeah, exactly. So I stopped collecting though when I when I got to college. Uh, picked it back up with everybody else during COVID. Right. All good. A-OK. Got back into it. And um, I just saw so many similarities between sneakers and sports cards. I also collect a lot of other things like mid-century modern furniture, um, artwork. Um, I mean, little tchotchkes and toys and stuff. Right. So so I am a, a little bit of a collector that that. I'm a collector yet everything is still for sale. Like, Same. I'm I'm not attached. Everything has a good story, but I'm not attached to it like that. But everything has a price. Yes. But that's but I mean but that's the thing though. It's like and then when you're collecting and then when you do like let's say you're trying to build a set or whatever it is and then you get it and then you're on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Some people keep it stored and put it away, but I, I'm more like you. I, I collect a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. When when the COVID prices were good and the money was insane, like people could not even believe how much stuff was costing or you're buying and selling it for. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was all over the place. So the last year I really tried to like rein everything in. And um, I like baseball prospects. It's funny because I finally got my grail card a couple months ago. You know, like I said before, like I'm married with kids. So me dropping uh, 20, 30,000 on a card is not acceptable, no matter how much, <laughs> no matter how much uh, up, upside there is to that. Was right. it ever acceptable? What's that? Was it ever acceptable to do that in your family? No, we talk about everything, my wife and I. So like, mm. if I just, if I just did that, it would not like, it would not be a good thing, you know? And to my wife's point, even during COVID, she'd always be like, "The stuff's worth that much. I understand. But like, I don't see that in our bank account. So if you can make that a happy medium then it would be good so and i understood that and uh and i'm a big believer in like you can't hold on stuff forever because you're dealing with athletes too um mm-hmm. if they get hurt they don't play yeah. um, a coach yeah. doesn't like them whatever the reason may be um so like i got um a jordan a flair jordan rookie card a psa 7 a couple months ago which was like my grail and i've been looking for like a psa 2 because I didn't want to have anything that would appreciate. And then I'd be like, I'm selling it. So I wanted something low that I would just keep forever, but I got a seven through trade. I didn't purchase it. Yeah. And then last week I traded it for uh, like $7,000 worth of Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z cards. So okay. Interesting. It, it was, uh, right. it was, it was too good of a deal. So my, my good friend, he was really good on all this stuff that he graded. Uh-huh. He want, he wanted the Jordan and he was like, listen, I'm going to give you X amount of value for your trade. You can sell all this stuff right now and, and double on the Jordan if you want. But yeah. he's like, we're, we're friends. So you tell me what you want to do. And I was like, I'm, I'm in. So. Oh my gosh. That's really cool. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, I, at this point, like I, I started collecting sports cards again and I was really, really into this idea of, sports cards could be like stocks. Right. And I, I latched on, this was maybe like two and a half years ago at the height of, at the beginning of COVID. And I was like, wow, this is really intriguing. And I remember I saw somebody's Instagram post and he had a whole bunch of Giannis rookies, prism rookies. I mean like hundreds. Right. PSA tens. And I was, I was so intrigued by this idea. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe we could, turn this into more of a stock market with things being a lot more liquid at that time everything was a little bit more liquid right uh, so i started buying just tons of lots of psa 10 prisms um and then getting a little bit more risky i would say with bigger investments um but me personally because i am kind of a a workaholic also i just realized i didn't have enough time to monitor the industry and the ups and the downs because it is it i mean it is pretty daily weekly like fluctuations here uh 
Yeah, people probably wouldn't want to admit, but it's it's probably worse than day trading, honestly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. when when you're uh, when you when you have the uh, like x amount of cards and you're trying to keep track of the prices and what's going on, it's like yeah, and that and that's yeah. why I had to rein it in for myself because it was like work all day, gym, time with the kids, time with the family. And then at night, like I'd be laying next to my wife or on the couch, just on eBay, looking at comps, reading Instagram messages and and like enough's enough. Yes. Same, same, same. And then when you want to, when you want to sell your 30 card, 30 Giannis PSA 10 prisms, you can't just click sell all like in the stock market. You have to find 30 buyers who will agree to the price that you want. And so it's just, it was starting to take a lot of time for me. Right. So I scaled back and just put more money into into bigger investments. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think a lot of people right now are going with the mindset of having cash. Oh, you don't see me? I'm here. Oh, no. No, I'm here. So this is going to be funny because everyone's going to hear it. I am here. Hold on. I'm here. Can you see me? Okay. Are you on your um, phone? You must be on your phone. So she left and she's going to come back now because I I think she's on her phone. And when you are, if you get a call or a notification, I don't know why it disappears, but it does. So hopefully she'll be back and we'll jump right back into um, the stream. But let me, uh, the podcast, sorry. Let me, let me message her and see. This will be the first time in a long time where I say I will edit the video and I'll actually have to do it. See what happens. Oh, here we go. Here we go. I'm so sorry, but Can I'm you hear on me? my phone now. Okay. Could you hear me before? I couldn't really. I could see little bits of you, but not really hear you. So, so I guess this will be the one time where I will delete the video and we'll just go with the audio then maybe. Unless... You want to watch the video of you coming on and off going, oh, he's not there. And I'm like, I am here. <laughs> <laughs> the entire time I was here, I was like, I'm I'm here. I don't know what you're talking about. Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> and then and then uh, one of the times you came on and you're like fixing your hair. And I was like, oh, shit, let me take her off the stream because I don't think she knows she's on the stream. <laughs> so and then I was like, this is going to be awkward because I'm going to talk to myself because I. So I actually tried to do an episode one day where I was like, let me just talk about a couple of things. I got two minutes into it and was like, nope, not doing this shit. And like, just shut it all down. Like, so I was like, we'll just keep it rolling. We'll keep it rolling. That is funny. Okay. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I, I don't even remember what we were talking about now. But that's we were okay. talking about investing in big cards and ah. having the time to keep up with the hobby. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think right now is a good time to invest in any big cards personally. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, maybe, I mean, you could always, uh, get lucky, I guess, if one of these quarterbacks makes it to the Super Bowl unexpectedly like Joe Burrow. But other than that, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be putting, I wouldn't be putting big money into anything right now personally, but I think num- numbered stuff, uh, vintage stuff is actually i think better buy than any of the new stuff man i agree yeah my biggest card is uh a donovan mitchell ntrpa nice out of 10 so we'll see so i didn't expect to hold him for as long as i will probably have to and then like two weeks after i bought it he got traded to the Cavs. So that's when it was like, oh, okay, right, right, cool. Right. He's playing good though. We'll see how they do though. He is, he is. It's, but I'm okay. I'm okay with holding it for a while. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you though, when you're at, so do you have you always followed Nike soccer too? Um, like, what years were you working at the Nike soccer department? Oh, Nike soccer was early, so that was more like 2007. Eight. Oh, okay. So yeah. a good a good friend of mine I grew up with was a, a Nike soccer member, and he was on the World Cup team in Germany, and then he wasn't on the next one for whatever reason. Um, and he was like a big Nike guy for a while. So it wasn't Landon Donovan, but it was Eddie Johnson. Do you know Eddie oh, Johnson? Yeah, yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah. So I grew up with Eddie. Um, 
him and my brother were best friends. So they're, he's one year younger than me. And uh, I used to have to take them to school every day in high school. So super cool. And then, so what's he up to now? He's doing like personal training for like, like a soccer academy for stuff. Soccer like, kids, yeah, yeah. Like kids that are um, wanting to train. Um, Cause I mean, gosh, he got drafted when he was 17. When he was a sophomore, he left our high school and then went to Bradenton to be on the junior national yeah. team. So, yeah. but yeah, I remember his, his Nike stuff was crazy. Like he could walk into like any Nike town and like spend X amount of dollars every day, which I was like, that's ridiculous. He was like, yeah, it's ridiculous to the point. I don't even go every day and I oh can. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What we set athletes up with, especially back then was, um, was pretty generous. I will yeah. say. And then there was a, a website that they could go to. It was called Nike.net. Yep. And uh, so it was basically like a, a, a free shopping site for them and they could they could click and order, click, 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 and it would show up to them tomorrow. Um, pretty much anything they wanted. Yeah, I've been I've been lucky to know a couple of Nike uh, athletes. Um, so there's a guy I grew up with and he was like my friend's dad's friend. Right. Mm-hmm. My friend's dad's friend. Right. And uh, his name's Tom Gullickson. So he's like one of the first Nike athletes through tennis. And him and his brother coached like Pete Sampras. They okay. won like they won like Wimbledon's doubles and stuff. Well, anyways, I, he grew up down he grew up down the street from me, and he'd come to my basketball games and stuff. And uh, I remember we went to TPC, the Players Championship golf thing, and like people were asking for his autograph, and I was like, "Hey, Mr. Gullickson, why are why are people wanting to take pictures with you and stuff?" And I was like a seventeen year old kid, and he was like, "Son, I'm famous. Don't you know that?" And I was like, "No." Oh my gosh. And but like Nike would send him like a quarterly box like bigger than this room. It was insane. Still to this day. And he's like 60 years old and they just send him wow, whatever he wants. Still. Yet still to this day, they send Holy him whatever Lord. he wants. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Um working for Nike was uh the perks for us as uh as just um, the employees was very, very nice. Like I rarely had to pay for any shoes. That's awesome. You know, in 13 years, rarely, uh, only a handful of pairs <clears throat> I actually had to pay for. And, but yeah, if you're an athlete or a collaborator, whoo, I mean, whatever you want. Right. Is that your beck and call? I was, I was fortunate. My wife's, um, was he a stepbrother? I don't even remember, but he was a manager at Nike town, Miami. And he put me on the friends and family list for the swoosh account. So I had a swoosh account for years. And then uh, I think he got, I don't know if he left or got fired, but one day it just stopped working and it was devastating, (laughs) devastating. (laughs) Cause it was like half off brand new Jordan releases and everything. Like it was crazy. Uh, You got your little taste and then you got it taken away. And then I was, uh, I actually, I was fortunate. I was a, a wear tester for a while too, for basketball, which was awesome. So I applied for years and then um, Uh finally got accepted and got to wear test some really cool shoes. And it was like before everyone was taking pictures of everything on their phones. I don't even have pictures of this stuff, but I got to test some really cool stuff like the Nike shocks, basketball stuff. I got to wear test all that stuff. So it was cool. Yeah, that's a really hard program to get into, too. So I would apply all the time until like I I would like do different iterations of my name. So instead of like. Donald, I'll put Don or Donnie and like, my gosh. Yeah. So that was a cool experience. Mm -hmm. So are you a a soccer head? No. So like I would only follow soccer when Eddie was playing, you know, like, uh, I I like the world cup, um, kind of devastated this. I wasn't devastated because I don't root for Argentina, but I, you know, Messi, I wanted, I got up and watched Messi. I couldn't believe they lost this morning. You Uh, got up. Yep. At, Two o'clock in the morning. Well, I'm on the East Coast, so it was five. It was only five a.m., which I would, I get up normally anyways to cycle. So it's like, but you know, it's a World Cup. You, I like. I feel like you got to watch it. Um, I know Americans traditionally aren't super into the World Cup and watching soccer, but I still enjoy watching USA. And then my mother's Korean, so I'm super pumped for Thanksgiving Day. Korea is playing at eight a.m. here, so that's super fun. Yeah, it's, it, it it's is cool. A, yeah, it's a good time. I was going to say, like, yeah, like, my family were obsessed with the World Cup. So it's just cool to, like, it's actually, it worked out. The Qatar strange timing, it actually worked out um, because it is fun to to watch around Thanksgiving time, I think. 
I, th- I think so too. Who are you? Who are you rooting for? So we're Peruvian, and okay. we did not. Sadly, we did not make the World Cup. Um, we lost to Australia in our last qualifying match, and it was devastating. So we're not in it. It's all. It's all good. You know, we. I still root for Argentina. Yes, that was so shocking this morning. Uh, when they lost two to one to Saudi Arabia, um, Saudi Arabia looks good though. I will say they capitalized big time. Mm-hmm. So them, uh, Brazil, um, Neymar. Everyone's predicting he's gonna have a big tournament, but we'll see. I guess um, we shall see. Yeah. So my wife's uh, Colombian, so like it's always kind of funny when world come cup comes on because there's always a debate of like what jerseys the kids are going to wear so they all have a usa a korea and a columbia jersey and like i was like oh, you guys don't have to take out the columbia jerseys this time oh wow i like that <laughs> i do that's cool yeah it's fun um so did yeah. you buy any of the the soccer products the cards i didn't um i liked ming um but I, I just haven't gotten any. His stuff is so expensive. And like and I I wanted to get like on card autos and a lot of his impeccable and NT stuff is sticker. So it was like mm. I've been looking, you know, I've been I've been looking on eBay and watching stuff, but I just haven't picked up any any good ones yeah. yet. So I feel that. Yeah, we're just doing um lots of Panini sticker packs here. Yep. I mean, they're you know, a dollar and it's just fun for the entire family. Yeah, I saw I saw a bunch at Walmart tonight. Actually, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well, that was like what I was saying with the Jordan thing. The reason I traded it too was like uh, I just feel like it with everything correcting or coming down. I feel like yeah. next next summer at National, I should be able to walk in and buy one. You know, Jordan rookie is one that stays high, but I feel like the price could still come down a little bit. So, think. Oh. yeah, yeah. So at National, I think I'll probably pick up another one, but we'll see. So okay, okay. prices got to be right. So prices definitely have to be right to buy. Yeah. So how do you feel about this topic of the Panini stickers? A dollar a pack. It is just World Cup fervor all over the world, obviously, and people love Panini stickers. They love collecting them. They love sticking them in these books. And there's something so cool about it that kids get into it old folks get into it um and just learning about players what like why can't this translate into the bigger sports card hobby do you think i don't know i I think so i've talked about this a lot and like with the card community and then you being a big part of it you've probably seen it more than me is like uh people are snobs it's like the weirdest things (laughs) it's like they're so pretentious. It's ridiculous. Um, so like, I don't know if you collected any Bowman or saw any Bowman baseball, right? So the big thing is like Bowman Mm -hmm. first, first autos for baseball players. Mm -hmm. People hate the green auto cards, even though they're numbered to 99, Mm -hmm. people won't buy them. It's like the weirdest, it's the weirdest thing to me. Like they all want to stay to the true colors and like tops has made different, um, variations of colors where they're like lava waves, Mm-hmm. Um, shimmers and people don't want them they only want what they want and i just yeah. i don't get it it's the same with um with the slab so i prefer a bgs slab i think mm-hmm. it's it's a nicer slab it looks better you get the the subgrades you know and then but yeah. people only want to buy psa slabs for whatever reason it makes no sense to me mm-hmm. or There's, people won't buy zebra or yep. tie-dye it's um yeah, I mean, it's a lot of personal preference. It's high-ish price points. And, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, I've never used the term, like, snobs before, but uh, there is some, like, el- elitism right. going on. Right. It's weird. I, I find it in the weirdest places. So my wife and I just started playing pickleball. I don't know if you've ever played it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a, a total knee replacement over the summer. Um, just the over the twenty years of just grinding on it, I just yeah. I had no other choice. But uh, like, uh, some friends of ours were like, "Hey, you guys should try pickleball." And I used to always joke and be like, "I'm not old enough or white enough for pickleball." But 
maybe someday we'll give it a go. You know what I mean? And uh, so we started playing and we love it. It's so much fun, but it's the same thing. Like mm-hmm. you think this sport that's fun, people would be mm-hmm. more wel- welcoming and open to like other people playing, but they're not. They're freaking a-holes all over the place. Like it's crazy. And they're all old people too that are pissed off. Makes oh, no sense. Oh, oh, gosh. I thought pickleball was like the cool version of tennis. Right, and it's just like anybody can play. It should, right, it should be fun and like like the uh, the other day. There's three indoor courts, and we went and we we're waiting for someone to get off so we could play. And uh, some guy in another court comes up to us and he's like, "Have you guys ever played before?" And we're like, "Yeah, we've been playing for the last couple months or whatever." And he's like, "Well, those people in the middle don't know what they're doing. You should kick them off." Oh, and I and I was like, "Do you know them?" And he's like, "No." And I was like, "Well, why don't I kick you off? Why do I need to kick them off if they don't know what they're doing?" Like. Why don't you get off and let us rotate in if since you know what you're doing? Like mm-hmm. they're just learning. Why would you want to boot them off the court and be nasty to somebody else? It makes zero sense. I don't get it. it sounds a little bit like sports cards. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess um do you know what you want to do next, or are you just kind of waiting and seeing what, what's out there? So I am sifting through ideal companies that I would work for. I determined that I want to not work for a big corporation like Nike, but also something bigger than alt. Uh, When I was there at alt, I was employee number 40. And so it was extremely small, early stage tech startup with huge goals, huge aspirations. Um, And, you know, we certainly needed to be in this hyper growth mentality similar right. to whatnot, uh, loop, uh, and a little bit of fanatics, although they're not as like, uh, uh venture funded tech as the, right. the other ones. And so I want to find like a happy medium between these two, you know, big places that I worked at. Right. So that's more, more, more of what I'm looking for. A really great work-life balance, uh, great, co-workers who have a diversity of thoughts right who um you know it's a balance of men and women and um some diversity and exactly and diversity yeah 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 no i i think those are great things and that's uh i've talked to a couple um ceos and presidents and different companies that i'm interested in working at after my military career and mm-hmm. they always ask me what i want and i'm like listen i i really enjoy the from the military aspect the camaraderie uh, and, the, yeah. and the and the culture that we have and that it is diverse and that you know it's the military but people's opinions and thoughts matter and i was like mm-hmm. that's that's important to me like um I don't want to go to a company where they talk about all these nice things, but they don't do those nice things. Mm-hmm. So the cult, the culture is going to be really important for me wherever I end up next. So mm. I want to be happy, you know. Don't we all? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And I think a lot of us saw this, especially after COVID. It's like, man, life is really short. Yep. We just, we don't know when will be our last day. And so it's just like, may as well try to to do what brings you joy and passion and what i say like energy every single day and get away from the stuff that takes the energy away from you and the people that take the energy away from you right for me um i do i love working in sports cards i think the industry is is really intriguing um i'm not the thing is is that i'm not a lifelong collector not a lifelong investor but I understand the sentiment of collecting and I also love marketing. That is my passion. And so I think the, the marketing prowess that I have and the way that I can create strategies and stories, uh, I can do that at pretty much any company uh, in the world. Yeah. And and it's uh, definitely a skill set that every company is looking for, like you said. So especially yeah. if you can do it well. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. Um, a lot of these companies that popped up in the last two years with big goals and aspirations, spending a lot of money, uh, I don't know how they're going to sustain it, um, mm-hmm. especially with the correction. And and I think if people are hoping that they're going to see those prices again, they're out of their mind because there's nowhere to go with it. Yeah. There's so, no upside. 
Well, okay. So what's your take? Because a lot of these tech, these tech companies and sports cards, their goal is to make the hobby bigger, bring more people in because ultimately that will make everybody bigger, more eyeballs to, to buy and sell cards. Um, so they're thinking more women, teenagers, uh, older folks to, to try to con- get them to understand what their collections are worth. Uh, more people of color, just more diversity. How can this happen? Uh, I don't think it can, honestly. Um, I, saw, I think we saw the 21st century boom, right, of sports cards, and it just so happened to coincide with COVID. Yeah. Um, and like I was telling you before show, and I've said on here before, I think a lot of it was gambling money because sports cards, gambling, and those things kind of go hand in hand. So when there was no gambling, that's what people were feeding their money into. And, uh, and, and nowadays, like, you know, we talk about the junk wax error. We're full in a junk slab error now. Mm. So it's, it's harder for you to go to somebody and be like, Hey, invest even something three months ago, which might've been 400 bucks is now a hundred dollars or less. Mm-hmm. How can you go to those people and say it's a tangible investment, right? When the, the market is, doesn't even know what it's doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, and, you know, we're already seeing it just two years in of the companies overprinting stuff, um, bastardizing products like, you know, like Panini Select was one of my favorite products because it was a hobby only product. And then now it's a retail product and it's it's just overproduced and it's lost its like value and lure with me. Like I, you mentioned the tie dyes. I love the tie dyes. That's my favorite parallel out of any product. But like I just went to the store tonight and the entire shelf was full of select basketball um, like uh, blaster boxes. And I didn't buy a single one. Wow. Because they even overpriced all the retail stuff now, too. So, Mm. you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where I'm in the Coast Guard. Right. And they're always talking about how to diversify and how can we make it more diverse. And and I was talking to somebody um at headquarters about this. And I'm like, I don't know if we'll ever be as diverse as we want to be because number Mm. one, it's like, comes down to money thing. Right. Um, if you're, uh, from a, like, if you were like me, right. I was going to college full time, paying for my own working full time. And luckily for me, my dad was like, Oh, you should talk to a coast guard recruiter, not the army recruiter or whatever it may be because my dad's retired army. So he had a little insight into what he thought I should do. Um, but if I would have walked to the army recruiter and they were like, Hey, we're giving you $60,000 bonus and you get a career and we pay for college. I would have signed up right then and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just fortunate that I went to the coast guard recruiter for me and they were like, Oh, you get a paycheck, you get a career and we pay for your college. Mm-hmm. So I went that route, but, um, but you know, the coast guard, we, we don't have the money to do the, to give those bonuses and stuff. So it's like, if you're from a low income family and you're looking to improve your life or take that next step to change your, your, Mm -hmm. uh, your family's outlook or whatever your personal outlook is. And someone's Mm -hmm. like, Hey, we're going to give you $30,000 and all these things. Or someone says, Hey, we're going to give you all these things, but we don't have $30,000. I think most people would gravitate towards the money, right? It's not always about the money, but (laughs) when you don't have any money, it makes a big difference. So it really does. And then how do you feel about, uh, a platform like a whatnot. <laughs> and uh, so I saw today that they just announced a contest to, to bring in their current, their current customers. And then obviously like driving new customers and you could win a flight to space to the moon. Yeah. To I the saw moon. That. It's, yeah. it's so funny is like, before we got on, someone sent me that video in a group chat I'm in and uh, I'm not a fan of whatnot at all. Personally, my experience, it wasn't a bad experience, but it just, to me, it feeds into the whole gambling thing even more so with how they have it set up. I mean, I think you can do buy it nows, like a buy it now price on stuff. But before with the bids, it was, uh, if you don't know this going into it, like the more people bid, the price jumps or skyrockets. Um, that's not like a consistent, like five cents, $5, whatever. So I didn't like that personally, especially because my card is connected to it. And then you're like instantly winning and buying stuff. It's almost like, uh, I don't know if you remember, they still have these websites where they claim that you can win like a MacBook Pro for $38. But really what you're doing is um, bidding like, um, you're bidding like one cent at a time. But 
one cent costs like a dollar, right? So the more you bid, the more money you're actually spending. So even though it's ending at $38, you have to buy a certain amount of credits to build, to bid that. But it's just feeding into gambling. You know what I mean? Because you yeah. think you have a chance of winning at $38, but really it's not. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I don't know. Like, it's funny because Ryan uh, from Card, Card Collector 2, he was on last week and he was yeah. saying that he's uh, he has a partnership with whatnot and you see the promo videos and stuff they're doing with people. But like, again, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how sustainable that is. Um, I think at the end of the day, they'll have their customers, um, people that use that platform for whatever their reason is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't see it being sustainable because a lot of stuff end over the comps on there also. So yeah. you're like, you're like losing on both sides of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly an element of FOMO. Right. That is marketed. You yep. you want to join in on the fun and the action, and you get so caught up in some of these things, and it's like, wait, oh my gosh, what just happened? Right, and then you have something, and you're like, did I really want that card, or was yeah. that just, or was that yeah. just bidding because of the thrill of the bid? You know. But I will say, on the flip side, live streaming and live shopping, and in China and other parts of the world, is enormous. Right. Because it really it's the it's the mix of entertainment, commerce, and social media, and so with more people staying at home with the recession and more people tuning into entertainment on their phones, TikTok and and Shorts and and YouTube, it kind of it kind of really could work. Yeah, it it could if the shows become um, more entertaining. I think. If the right. personalities behind it, you know, like the card collector twos, if if they really start ramping up their community and people tune in to see something interesting that these guys are doing, and then right. maybe selling them something, I don't know. It's a it's a. You think more like a once, like maybe they do like once a week. Like this is our thirty minute show, almost like a. Like a price is right, right? But like right. what not streaming it, right? So instead of like the every night, uh, this is my stand, you see my hands and what I'm showing you. Because mm-hmm. that gets old to me too. Like I don't have the patience to sit there and watch somebody doing that all night. Exactly. But if it is more like a, sh- a show per se, there could be something there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wish I would have thought of what not. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like let's not. Let's not get it twisted. Like they're brilliant for what they did. I don't know who's behind it or, you know what I mean? But like, they're definitely raking in the dough. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I appreciate the, the, I don't know, just like the outside the box thinking with their business right. model, Yep. whether it works or not. Like I, I like that they're taking risks and trying new things and not being scared. Um, Alt has a completely different business model and it is more like a one-stop shop platform right to, to try to combine like eBay and card ladder um, golden um, everything into into just this one platform I don't know if the hobby is quite ready for that yet um, a lot of people have their their positives and their negatives about alt um, so you know, time will tell. Yeah. yeah, I uh I never actually even really been on all I went on there a little bit, but like like I was saying, like I, I didn't want you on because you're head of marketing at all. I just thought you had an interesting story and I like that more personally <laughs> um than just that you worked at all. So the fact that you left and I, I I'm actually happy because I didn't have anything to talk about in regards to all and that's not a knock on them. I just I, I like eBay. I don't know. I use eBay for comps, you know, and I like eBay too. And I don't, and I'm not interested. Like that's the other thing is I don't understand the vault thing. Right. Besides people getting a tax break for using the vault. Yeah. It doesn't appeal to me. Like if I buy something, I want to see it. So mm-hmm. I want to hold it and look at it and be like, I got this thing. Now I'm going to put it in my case. Not somebody yeah. else's, not somebody <laughs> yeah. else's case. Right. So yeah yeah i i see the value in vaults for some people if they're either always traveling if their their home maybe isn't in the safest neighborhood or um so yeah there's definitely perks to it or shipping to a place that you know you get the tax the tax-free shipping and tax-free storage 
but yeah, a lot of, we did find a lot of people want to see it and hold it and display it and share it and have it in their hands. It's just like, just having that tangible thing right there. I right. also like that too. Well, I mean, and you can't take pictures of it to put on Instagram if it's in the vault. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. where where's Alt based out of? Uh, so it's actually a remote company. Oh, really? Which is pretty cool. So we were all over the U.S. And then some people were in other parts of the world also. Oh, I didn't know. Where's their vault located? Or is the, vault, the vault is in Delaware. Okay. Where a lot of other vaults are uh, and uh, a lot of other banks are. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Delaware. Interesting. I thought you were going to say Florida or California, maybe. I don't know. Delaware. Yeah, yeah. And then PWCC is in Oregon. Yeah. So to think about the taxes, very nice on, on taxes in both of those states. That makes sense then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to think. Is there anything we didn't cover or talk about? Is there anything you want to talk about? Um, you know, I really I wanted to get your take on on how we grow the pie, how we how we grow this industry and like if it is going to be, if there's any any way that we can get more kids and teenagers into it, if we can get more, like, are women going to move the needle? Most likely not. Is it going to be the high-end investors who are going to come in and pump in lots of cash? Like, Right. What's your final thought about all of this? I, I mean, I think it's... I, th- I don't think there's room to grow further in what you're saying. I think it's, it all depends on the the people involved in those companies. Um, and I, I think like getting kids involved is awesome. So like I, I enjoy, like my daughter's not a collector, right? But she will, if I'm like, Hey, I got some cards. You want to open them with me? And she'll be like, sure. If it's baseball. So like, I enjoy doing that with her because it's something I like. And then she likes opening stuff and like, Two, two years ago, my son, before he moved out, my middle son and her, we were opening Pokemon and they were both opening the trainer boxes and they both hit a Charizard, mm-hmm. like a VMAX Charizard. So we were like stoked That's and cool. like, like yelling and having a good time. But um, it's just tough, like, because it, it turned, it's turned in the last two years more into just very business eccentric, not family mm-hmm. fun, right? Like when a prism box is $1,500. I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to open that and I don't want to open it with my son and my daughter. Like I we're just I'm not in that tax bracket of like let's just blow fifteen hundred dollars on yeah a box of yeah. prism, you know. So yeah. I th- so I think if anything, they kind of did a reverse and made it harder for people to get into and not made it not made it easier for people to get into. So that's probably why people love the stickers and doing those things because it's a fun activity you can do and it doesn't cost a lot and you can get parallels and numbered cards. Mm-hmm. Also with the stickers, so um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know the reasons why you le- left Alt. You know anything? I mean, but I, I think it was probably a smart decision on your end. Um, I think uh, the, I think people are afraid of fanatics and what they're going to do. Um, hmm. I mean, I really, if you think about it, if fanatics, the rumors have been going on for months that they're going to buy Panini also or buy them out in some capacity. Um, I think people, the real collectors, right? And I wouldn't say I'm a real hardcore collector. I think I'll always collect things. I think people are afraid of what Fanatics is going to do because they're like these companies are already driving themselves to the ground, whether they know it or not. And it's like, what are they going to do differently? Mm-hmm. Um, I was supposed to have Josh Luber on and he was like, hey, I left Fanatics. Yeah. I'm not doing any interviews for a while. And I was like, I totally get it. I respect it. I didn't dig or ask him any questions about it. You know what I mean? But like, this guy's he's a true collector of things so i think if he's leaving that's a telltale sign so it's certainly could be see i am on the other side i think fanatics is taking their time digesting everything and could potentially be creating more avenues for for more people to come into it and have just a huge just net of marketing to cast out there to a lot more communities and, and pull them in this way. So I'm right. I'm a little bit more hopeful on the fanatic side. Well, I mean, I guess I should be asking you, right? You're the marketing expert, not me. So what do you think fanatics can do to help it grow? 
so I, I certainly hope that they're going to pump more energy, more marketing dollars into card shops. Uh, because I think these are local mom and pop card shops are slowly, slowly dying and we need to support them because it, it can't turn into a monopoly. It can't just, everything can't be done on one of these five platforms that right. we're using uh, because it was, it was started as a tangible hobby, seeing it, feeling it, touching it, trading it. Uh, and so the importance of card shops has to remain and be amplified. Hopefully fanatics can help with this and just pump up the distribution too. Do you, do you think they'll regulate pricing like Nike does? I guess it, I heard that some of that's coming back. Like Ryan was saying that, but uh, mm -hmm. I just, I don't understand for the life of me why they don't say like, this is the MSRP sell yeah. for this price. You know what I mean? I would expect, with the Nike hat on, I would expect them to do something like that. Yes. I think that would help. That would help yeah. to get the kids back in for sure. Mm-hmm. Resale and secondary market, that's a whole different ball game. Yep. Of course. But at least starting there could be could be good. Yeah, I think so too. Um well, man. Yeah, it's tough. The card thing's tough. I think um collectibles as a whole is great and there's a lot of stuff booming and you never know what's gonna um, go up or go down like mm -hmm. a year and a half ago uh, my buddy brandon uh he goes by bro nameth on instagram mm -hmm. was like uh in our group chat he was like hey we should buy sealed vhs tapes and grade them and i oh. was like i was like what do you mean and he was like sealed vhs tapes let's buy them original ones and grade them and oh, it just so happened yeah. that uh my buddy bobby he goes by two chins he was like I know a lot about VHS tapes and I was like, really? So we did, we bought a bunch of VHS tapes, graded them and sold them and did very well on them. But it's like this constant, just moving target that you got to kind of be on the lookout for. You did see that just, that takes a lot of effort and time and staying up to date with everything, like oh, keeping yeah. your ears on the streets. Oh, I mean, props to you guys for, for, for doing that. It's having a hunch and just kind of going with it. And I, I mean, and I'll be honest, like I, I watched them do it first, the first month. Mm -hmm. And then once they got them back and sold them, I was like, all right, I'm in, let's do this. Mm -hmm. And I remember all my wife was just like, why are there 80s VHS <laughs> tapes showing up to our house? I'm like, don't worry, I got, but I always do things like, even if it's an investment thing for me, I always do things that I like. Mm -hmm. So the first couple I got was uh, Above the Rim, right? With Tupac. Oh, yeah. um, I got Goodfellas. What other ones did I do? And who'd you grade them through? So this was through IGS. Um, and then now, like, VHS DNAs with Beckett. Um, like, Beckett bought bought them out. Um, so he was the owner, the guy that started VHS DNA was on the podcast. And then he was like, that same month was like, we got a big announcement, big announcement. And then I guess. Super he, cool. Yeah. Wow. So I think, it, I mean, I think that'll never go away. Right. Just because grading stuff is like still a multiplier on your collectible. So whether mm -hmm. people like it or not, but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's your favorite collectible that you own right now is uh, I have a, uh, it's downstairs, but it's a uh, silver surfers first appearance. So it's like a, a, a fantastic four. Gosh, what number is it? I should know this and make me look bad, but uh, it's from like 1968. It's a low grade. It's only 2.5, but it's my favorite, the favorite thing I own right now. Um, that oh, and, cool. and I have a, uh, oh, I'm having a brain fart right now. It's the Nintendo, <laughs> the Nintendo cartridge. Um, so it's not track and field. It's the other one. Uh, uh, why I'm having such a brain fart. Hold on. I'm going to have to look it up. But anyways, it's a super rare Nintendo cartridge. I have it just sitting in my office. I'm surprised no one has that. Stadium events. So it's called Stadium Events. I remember uh, that one. So I have one in my office. And uh, it's just like in the old school clear Nintendo case, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. just sitting in my office up on this. It's sealed? No, so it's not sealed, but it's in like the resealed cases. Like, remember they used to sell like the like a nintendo clear case that folds mm -hmm. and says nintendo it's just sitting in that but it's uh i have a, uh, am a florida gators fan so i have like our three heisman trophy winners held helmets in my office and then they're signed and then the the game's just sitting there so you know 
I appreciate the diversity in that collection from what it sounds like, like the stuff that you collect isn't just sports cards. And I think that's cool. You know what it is? It's uh, we, my dad was in the army. We didn't have a lot of money as a kid and I, I liked stuff. So as I got older and I have a career and Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I want to buy some of the stuff that I never had the opportunity to. I think that's what the sneakerhead thing, the sneakerhead thing was like, just, always wanting those Jordans and never being able to get them. And then, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It all comes full circle. It does. So, but um, man, we've been on over an hour, even with the hiccup. Yeah. So I, I appreciate you coming on and, and having the conversation with me. Um, I'm also excited to see what you do next. Um, yeah. Yeah, oh, maybe cool. in, maybe in eight months, I'll be sending you my resume and be like, help me out. Right. Yeah. I can't wait to see what you do next too. So it's exciting. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for the invite and uh, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the break and wax podcast. Please, if you enjoyed it, share it, um, send the link out, put it on your story. I welcome all feedback and comments. Send me a message. Let me know what you're thinking about, what you want to talk about. And if you want to be a guest on the show, I answer all my DMs. I think it's weird when people don't. That's another story for another day. Again, thank you for listening. I appreciate the support and all the love. Peace.